Never let loyalty. Somebody say loyalty. In addition to kindness, there's one other thing he said to tie around your neck. Something else he said is supposed to go with you and with me everywhere we go. Something that is supposed to be written on the tablet of our heart. And you got to remind yourself what he was talking about when he said tablet. It's not that piece of paper written in ink or pencil. And it was certainly not a reference to an electronic device. <laughs> what were their tablets? Stone. Stone. And you wrote on stone by etching into it. And there were no such thing as typos. You didn't erase. You didn't scratch out. Man, when it was written in stone, it was there and there forever. Write these things on that tablet of your heart. Kindness, yes, but what else? Loyalty. Listen to it from the English Standard Version. He said, let not steadfast love, that's a reference to that hesed kindness, unfailing love of God. He said, let not that steadfast love and faithfulness. Can you see that? Love and faithfulness. These two things, above all others, should be tied around our necks, written on the tablet of our hearts, and they ought to go with us everywhere we go. Love and faithfulness. Now, we've talked about that uh, in the, from the very beginning of this church. That's what we want in this place. And I told you last week that as we talk about kindness, not only are we tapping on the heart of God, we're tapping on the heart and the culture of Legacy Church. That's what we want in the very air that you breathe when you come into this place. People who are not all talk about the love of God, but they actually show some of it. That kindness is more than just talk, but they're looking for somebody to be kind to. They're praying David's prayer when he said, is there not somebody left in the house of Saul that I can show the kindness of God to give me somebody to be good to? Give me somebody to be kind to. And we're a church full of people praying that prayer. Before you get out of your car in the parking lot and make your way up the hill to this church, it ought to be coming out of your mouth. Father, give me somebody to be kind to. Somebody to be kind to. And that's what we want to be so consuming in the atmosphere of this church that somebody walks in, takes a deep breath, and they're breathing in an atmosphere of love, an atmosphere of kindness, and faith. Faith. I want this place to be so full of faith that somebody comes dragging in, discouraged, defeated, and, and the next hour or two, they get so pumped full of the word of God and so full of the joy of the Lord that they leave this place going, I can do it. I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. This thing ain't bigger than me. I got a God that's bigger than it. And they just walk out charged up and ready to go. That happens when you come into an atmosphere of faith. You, you come in going, it can't be done. You leave going, all things are possible with God and with him who believes. But here's the thing. Whether you're talking about grace or you're talking about faith, you need to understand they're nothing without each other. 
And when I say grace, I'm talking about love and kindness. That's the grace is God showing his love and his kindness towards us. Faith is our response to that. That's how you were born again. By grace, through faith. I'm saved by grace. That's true, but that's not a complete statement. Well, I'm saved by faith. That's true, but it's not a complete statement. The whole statement is, I am saved by grace through faith. And that applies to anything and everything that you desire and would receive from God. I am healed by grace. True, but there's more. I'm healed by faith. Yes, but you've got to put them together. I am healed. How? By grace through faith. Now, the sad thing is in the last, I don't know, it seems like 10 years or 15 years, especially, and I know it's been in, in the body of Christ for a long time and a lot longer than that, but I, let's say I've noticed it more in the last 10 or 12 years that there's been this silly dividing line between grace people and faith people, almost like divided into two camps. And if it wasn't so sad, it would be kind of funny because we're nothing without each other. But if you are, let's say, a quote unquote grace person, then there is one thing that ought to show up in your life more than anything else. You know what it is? Graciousness. You cannot preach grace ungraciously. <laughs> it doesn't work. I'm not even sure if that's a word. But you cannot preach grace without a graciousness. One of the first evidences in your life that you've really gotten a hold of the grace of God and a revelation of his grace is that you are a gracious person. And, and I know... I was around folks 10, 15 years ago. I know what they were listening to. I, I read the book they were reading. And man, it excited me too. Things about the grace of God. Big revelation on the grace of God. But I watched one, or two, one of two things happen to people. I watched some people get a hold of that grace and it, and it changed them and transformed them and they became people of grace. People that extended grace. People that, that showed grace were quick to forgive. Quick to give mercy. But on the other hand, I saw folks get a hold of the message of grace and everything else wasn't as good. Nothing else could measure up to this message. Nothing else could measure up to this preacher. There was literally a guy, I, I met him a time or two. He came to our church that I worked at and I found out that he, he did this at our church and he would do it at other churches. He'd come in and he'd sit there and he would count the number of times the preacher said the name of Jesus. And if it wasn't enough, they didn't talk about Jesus and if they didn't say Jesus enough times, then this place, there's no grace here. They're not focused enough on Jesus. Well, should our focus be on Jesus? Sure. But is that a gracious approach to sit and wait for somebody to mess up? Now, if you're a grace person, guess what's going to be the first thing that comes up out of your life? Graciousness. Graciousness. Well, if you're a faith person, guess what's going to be the first thing that comes out of you? My confession lines up, glory to God. 
I'm a faith person and I've memorized all these scriptures and I know all these steps and I turn all these keys and I know all these principles. If you are a faith person, the first and most important thing that will come out of your life, you know what it is? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Now we should not be either a grace person or a faith person, should we? What are we? Grace, faith, people. Grace, faith, preacher. What kind of preacher are you? I finally got to the point where people were asking me, what do you think about that grace message? You've been hearing that? What do you think about that? And I got so tired of the conversation that when people would ask me, what do you think about that grace message? I'd say, oh, you mean Jesus? I love it. I love it. The problem is when you start letting somebody other than Jesus bring definition to something only he can. You start dividing into these little camps and it's silly. It's foolish. And we suck all the power out of both messages if you don't put them together. So we are people of grace. We are people of faith, which means what are we going to be gracious and faithful? We are going to tie these two things around our neck. We're going to write these two things deep in our heart. And everywhere we go, graciousness goes. Everywhere we go, faithfulness goes. Amen. Amen. But you can see it with faithfulness the same way you can see it with kindness. If kindness opens the door to favor with God and men, guess what faithfulness does? The same thing. This, this translation we were reading here, the English Standard Version said, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Favor and good success. God can have favor and good success lined up for you. But if you're not a faithful person, can you, should you still expect that favor? Not according to the scripture. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 20, verse 6. Well, let me read this one to you first. Proverbs 28, verse 20. A faithful man will abound with blessing. Again, that's Proverbs 28, 20. A faithful man will do what? He will abound, abound, he said, with blessing. What about if you're not faithful? Can you still expect to abound with blessing? Should you still expect, and for the sake of our conversation, grace and all grace abounding towards you? If you're not a faithful person? No, faithfulness is what opens up the door to the favor and the good success that God has already in store, lined up. Folks, it's waiting for you. It's waiting for you in the parking lot. It's waiting for you on the way home. It's waiting for you on the job. It's waiting for you in the grocery store. It's waiting for you in the department store. Grace and favor and good success is waiting for you right now at the bank, in the lawyer's office, in the doctor's office. There's grace and favor and good success waiting for you. But the same way a lack of kindness can mess all that up, unfaithfulness will mess it all up. How can you expect favor an increase in promotion on your job if you're not faithful on the job. I'm believing for favor. I'm believing for six. I'm believing for that promotion. Okay. 
What time do you get to work in the morning? I'm getting ahead of myself. Hold on. We'll, we'll. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6 says this. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness. It's not hard to find somebody who will tell you how great they are. It's not hard to find a person that can tell you what all they've done and what all they can do. That's not hard at all. We have whole websites dedicated to helping you write that on paper so that when you go to apply for a job, it's shining, it's gleaming, it's radiant, and it stands out above everything else that everyone else said they were good at, right? But keep in mind who wrote this. We're reading from the book of Proverbs. These are Solomon's words. This is the, the, the king's words, right? And he's saying, it's not hard to find somebody who will proclaim each his own goodness. Listen to it though. But who can find a faithful man? This is coming from somebody high up, the highest authority. And can you hear the frustration in his voice a little bit? It's almost as though he's saying, I am so tired of looking at all these self-congratulatory resumes coming across my desk. I'm so tired of hearing about what this guy can do and what that one's done. I'm so tired about hearing all the experience they have and you put them in place and a few days you look up and they're gone. They're nowhere to be found. And the, the king is going, you, it's easy to find somebody who can tell you how good they are. It's hard to find somebody that will just be there. Somebody that'll just be faithful. Somebody that'll just stick to it. Can you see how, how rare it is? And the more rare something is, the more valuable it is. I can hear it in the voice of the king. I can hear it. I can hear his frustration. I find a bunch of people that can tell me what they can do, what they will do. But when it comes to actually being faithful, who can find a faithful man? Go to the New Testament with me to the book of First uh, Corinthians. While you're looking for First Corinthians chapter 4, let me read just a few things to you about faithfulness. Some things from the scripture. We're talking about your faithfulness and mine, but we do ourselves a, dis a disservice when we start talking about our own faithfulness without a revelation of his faithfulness. So listen to just a few of these things about the faithfulness of God. Exodus 34, God was talking to Moses and he said in verse six, he said, I am slow to anger. Somebody say, thank God. And filled, he said, with unfailing love and faithfulness. Unfailing love and faithfulness. This is God we're talking about. He said in Psalm 25, verse 10, the New Living Translation, the Lord leads with unfailing love and, say it with me. Every time we see that word, I want you to say it out loud. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness. Psalm 100, verse 5 says, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Psalm 117, verse 2, for his unfailing love. You notice how these things are coupled together? Every time you're talking about God, his unfailing love, his faithfulness. It's almost as though these two things were tied around his neck, written deep within his heart. His unfailing love 
Psalm 117, verse 2. For us is powerful. The Lord's faithfulness endures forever. Praise the Lord. Amen. He said, praise the Lord. For what? His unfailing love and his faithfulness. Psalm 145, verse 13 in the English standard says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. Faithful and kind. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great, great. What else might you say instead of great? Mega. Mega is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, He who calls you is faithful. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1, talking about Jesus, said, He who was faithful to him who appointed him. God is faithful. When you start talking about faithfulness, you are describing him and you are defining him. He's faithful. Now, the reason you have to take even just a little bit of time, and we could spend the rest of today and for days on end just looking at scripture after scripture about the faithfulness of God. But the reason I bring him up is because you have to use his faithfulness as the source for your faithfulness. The problem we run into is when we hear messages on, man, I got to walk in love. I got to be faithful. I know that's right. I hadn't been faithful. I hadn't been kind. Okay, Monday morning, 8 a.m. It's a new me. Faithful and kind. Faithful and kind. Jeremy, you better be kind. You be kind today. You better be kind. And you better, boy, you better be faithful, 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 faithful. Guess what I'm about to be? An unfaithful jerk. Why? Because I'm trying to, how do I say it, Lord? I'm using myself as my own source. And when you try to use yourself as the source for faithfulness, you run out quick. When you use yourself as the source for kindness, it's over in a hurry. You're going to have to have some other source. So my revelation of, of walking in kindness and faithfulness has to come out of a revelation of he is kind. He is faithful. Thank you, Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the Bible says in verse 1, let a man so consider us, or this is what we want people to think about us, as servants of Christ, and notice this word, stewards of the mysteries of God. He said, when people think about us, they need to think of us and consider us servants and stewards. Servants and stewards. Stewards of the mysteries of God. You and I don't know what a privilege it is and what a special thing it is to be able to open up this book, read a little bit, and understand it. We take it for granted because we do it all the time. But do you know there are people all over the world that have tried it? And they read for a few minutes, maybe even an hour, maybe even days. But they read it apart from 
the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it makes no sense to them. And they give up on it. They close it, throw it across the room. They're confused by it, bored by it. You and I don't know what a rich privilege and a treasure it is to be able to open this thing up and read and get it. And it do something for you, minister life to you. And he said, what you and I are, are stewards of those mysteries. God has trusted us with some mysteries. Things that have left people for ages puzzled. He's turned the light on for you. And you open this thing up and it breathes life to you. And what we are are stewards of those mysteries. Now, stewards is not a word we use too often. It, it literally just means overseer. We would use this word, a manager. We are managers of the mysteries. Now, there's, there's, uh, it's so important that we understand that because when you do get revelation and you do see something, you need to remind yourself, you didn't come up with that. That is not a reflection on your smarts. That's not a reflection on your education. That is only a reflection on the goodness of God, that he would turn the light on for you and that you'd see something and something maybe other people by and large don't see. It's a reflection of how good he is, not how smart you are. All you are is a manager of it. You're not the owner of it. And man, I've seen it. I've done it as a preacher. That's my revelation. That guy's preaching my revelation. Watch it. Watch out. It's not yours. You're a manager of that. A manager. He said, we are stewards of the mysteries, managers of the mysteries. Now he goes on in verse two to say, moreover, it is required in stewards or managers that one be found faithful, faithful. When Sarah and I and our team moved here a couple of years ago, before any work had been done on the church, we were nowhere near open or ready. We had a small team, some that had come with us, some that had been brought from other places around the country. And we, we all showed up in this place and it's just a kind of a living room full of us. And we started off in one of these cabins. I don't know if you've seen these cabins that are up here on the property, but we found one that was in decent enough shape that we could get together in. And um, we started getting together, what was that, like Tuesday nights or something like that. And we would get together to pray and get together to plan. And I mean, the church is coming and we got to do some building and got to get on the same page. And I remember the first one we went into, this was the scripture the Lord gave me to bring to our staff and to our team. What the Lord is looking for from us is faithfulness. Now, I fully intended for the next six or eight weeks to go over all these different things, all these different job requirements, all these things that it would take from us to open this church and operate this church and be successful in this church. And we got together for six, eight weeks in a row and we never got past faithfulness. Faithfulness. And the more I dug into it, the more I realized this is the job requirement. There's not another one. This is it. We're stewards. We're managers. We're not owners. We're managers. Jeremy and Sarah don't own this church. We're just managers of something. And what is a manager? It's someone that's been given something that somebody else owns. 
It belongs to somebody else, and yet it's been put in their hand to do something with it. And week after week after week, we talk about nothing else but faithfulness, faithfulness. This is the job requirement. This is what he's looking for. One must be, what did he say? Found faithful. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.